Friends, we have a fantastic episode for you today. I still can't believe this conversation happened. Had you told me at 12 years old that I would be having a wonderful conversation with the then editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine, Kate White, I would never in a million years have believed you, but it happened. And she was, as you'll hear, beyond lovely. And I think and hope I've made a new friend. Let me tell you a little about Kate. She was editor-in-chief at Cosmo for 14 years, from 1998 to 2012, shaping so many young women's lives, including and especially my own. As you'll hear us talk about in the episode, Fiance, which is her most recent work of fiction, is her 15th fiction book. And she has also written five nonfiction books, all of them about how to be a strong, formidable career woman, just like she is. I know this show is about nonfiction books, but since Kate has written nonfiction and fiction, and because I love the fiance so much, and honestly, because I just love her, I had to break with pattern and have her on, and I am so glad I did. Take a listen to our conversation, which I am still pinching myself over. I am so excited you are here today, Kate. And I know I told you this offline, so it's it's spoiled, no spoilers. But uh, for our listeners, this is our very first fiction author we've ever had on the podcast. So this is a really a show for nonfiction writers to get their due. But the fiance was so good, I had to make an exception. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Rachel. And and I'm a big nonfiction reader myself, uh, really big. So it's so much fun for me to be doing this and such an honor. Thank you. Well, and you've written your share of nonfiction books as well. So yeah, you, you, you're cross genre. So, um, <laughs> you know, Kate, I was, I was fangirling before we started recording. So many of us, including and especially me, became huge fans of yours during your days as editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan. I am a magazine writer myself, and I cannot even fathom writing fiction. It seems light years away from the work I do. So were you always drawn to writing fiction? Yes, even from the time I was a little girl, I wrote short stories, and I, I wanted to be many kinds of writers. I wrote little plays, one that was put on eventually in my high school. I put out my own magazine. I, I, I just thought, oh, I'll do it all. And then I realized, no, you, you really, if you want a career, you have to focus, pick that lane. And because I won a magazine contest when I was in college, it, um, Glamour uh, Magazine contest, yeah. so great. It kind of picked the lane for me because I had the opportunity to apply at Glamour. But I still kept holding on to the desire to write suspense fiction one day. Yeah. So how does it differ, Kate, from writing for magazines or does it? I think it does, Rachel. In fact, there's a really famous uh, nonfiction uh, journalist. I mean, the journalist who started writing fiction. I won't say her name because I really like her fiction, but her first book suffered from a problem. I thought her first novel that a lot of people have when they try fiction after they've been doing nonfiction. And it's that there's a real need to 
tell when you are doing nonfiction. And when you do fiction, they always say you need to show more. And mm-hmm. I, I really had to kind of burn off the need to tell. And that first book I did, the first suspense novel, I probably rewrote the first chapters many times to burn that off. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but The Fiance is your 15th book of fiction and 20th book total. So my gosh, Kate, I quit slacking your way through life, right? (laughs) My goodness. And you started, you started writing um, fiction when you were long before you left Cosmopolitan. Um, What, what gave you the push to write your first work of fiction in 2002 to take that big leap? Well, I, I'd really got to an age where I thought if I don't do it, I'm, I'm never going to do it. And I had tried in my twenties and I had a real procrastination problem. Mm-hmm. And what really helped me was writing some nonfiction pieces about time management. And there was this one tip that says that if you want to do something and you're not doing it, it might be simply because you've made it too daunting. You got to slice it down like a salami into thin slices. So when I made the decision, look, I'm running out of time. I've got to try to write fiction. I told myself, I'm only going to write 15 minutes a day. Hmm. Uh, I can, I'm not going to procrastinate with that. I can handle 15 minutes. Right. And so I wrote about four chapters when I was the editor of Red Book. Then I got called in one Sunday by my boss and told you're the new editor of Cosmo, which was an incredible honor that I didn't see coming. And I put the book aside for a little while because I thought I can't, you know, this is too many fish to fry and I've got this big fish Cosmo. But a few months later over Christmas, I I got out the four chapters I'd written and I had forgotten that the nanny who dies is found on a copy of Cosmo. I put that detail in and so I thought I'm going to take this as a sign. And so I, I started writing for 15 minutes every day. I increased it to an hour and I had young kids too then. And so I would take them to school, get to Cosmo before my staff did because they got in at 930. Which, <laughs> uh, I never minded because that gave me a little chance. That was your time. Yeah. And then I wrote on weekends before my kids got up and it, it really was burning the candle at both ends. And it was tough. I didn't, you know, I, I don't think I got a manicure in those years. <laughs> But at the same time, I kept telling myself, one day this is going to, at the very least, save my ass if I get fired. And (laughs) I wish I didn't, thank God, but I could have in that perilous field. But I also thought it'll be something I want to do one day and have the freedom of being my own boss. And now here you are. Yeah. It's That's nice. fantastic. So, okay. I told you offline, I'll say it again. I read the fiance in one sitting because every, at the end of every chapter, I was like, well, I can't stop now. I was uh-huh. like, I have to read one more chapter. And then it became one more chapter. And then it became, okay, I've only got 50 pages left. I'm just going to finish it. So, <laughs> so tell our listeners without giving away any spoilers, obviously <laughs> a little bit about what the fiance is about. It's what you could call like a locked room or country house mystery, though mm-hmm. it's a thriller too, I, I like to think. And and it's different from most of my other suspense novels and it all takes place in one location. Mm-hmm. This family with four sons and two parents who are in their early seventies are out there on this bucolic estate for their annual family get together and their three wives. And then this newcomer, 
mm-hmm. Hannah who arrives. Hannah comes. Hannah comes. And mm-hmm. Summer, the main character, does not like Hannah. She doesn't trust her. Hannah tells her a little lie in the beginning. And then one person in the family tragically dies during this uh, vacation of theirs. Mm-hmm. And what makes it different than a lot of, uh, you know, sort of um, locked room mysteries where everybody panics when somebody dies. Summer's the only one who realizes, excuse me, it's probably not um, a uh, natural causes that that is 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 the the reason for the death. Mm-hmm. She suspects murder, and so she's got to not only try to figure out what happened. But she's in, 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 in are her instincts right, but she's got to convince other people that there's a big problem. Yeah, and there is a big problem, but there's yeah. twists and turns and just you just are on the edge of your seat. And when you do, and I will not spoil this, but when you do find out what happens, I my jaw dropped. So <laughs> you totally, you totally threw a curveball at me. So oh, for, for something like this, such a thrilling page turner, Talk to us a little bit about your writing process and how do you even begin to ideate a plot like The Fiance? Like a lot of authors, I think I start with just a little germ. It might be a news headline. With this book, I don't remember what the germ was. I think it was what happens if I screw up the ecosystem of a family with somebody new arriving. I think that just thought started. Mm. And then I play around a lot with something that's very common authors do, the phrase, what if? Okay, what if this happens? What if that happens? And one thing that's really borrowed from my magazine days is is just keep restocking the pond, you know, keep reading. I, I have different people I talk to regularly, forensic people, lawyers. Sometimes if, if I haven't fully form the idea yet, I might just go online, talk to them. And then I get the basic concept of who died, who did the killing, why, and a little bit of how I'm going to try to disguise the killer, fairly Mm -hmm. disguise the killer. And then I, I generally plot in a notebook, um, this is one. It's, it's not, there's like no pages basically yet, but because it's for the book I'm just starting. But I usually divide each page into a grid of four and plot four chapters at a time. Now, a lot of suspense authors say they just start and have no idea where they're going, but that doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I w- if I wrote fiction, which I would love to do, but I just, I just cannot think of plot lines and I mean I I just I stick to nonfiction because the truth is crazier than fiction anyway you got to do it you got to try it because all you really want to do is get a little something and then do the what if let's Mm -hmm. say later today you're you know a friend calls and says something just that seems a little odd to you maybe Mm -hmm. you start with that you know what if someone's holding a gun to her head as she's talking to me? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Yeah, that's right. Um, What if this, what if that? And that really, if you're patient and don't panic, it will lead you someplace. And another little trick I use, I heard from a woman who 
wrote a book that we we interviewed her for for one of the magazines I work for called Practical Intuition. Her mm -hmm. name's Laura Day, and she said that you sometimes just put the idea out to the universe, like you say. Sometimes I've even said, "Okay, what is my next freaking suspense novel going to be about?" Because I don't have a damn idea here. <laughs> And what happens, it primes your subconscious. So the next thing you know, you're, you're hearing somebody sort of say something like, oh, we're going on a family vacation. And then maybe you think, what if that family vacation goes to hell? And you just start playing that way. So what if, what if, what if, what if, yeah. That's a great tip for, for any aspiring writer who wants to try fiction. It's just what if, just, yeah. just start the story right. so so you know as I said I read the book in one sitting because at the end of every chapter I'd say okay I can just read one more chapter is it like that when you're writing too where it's hard to stop because the story is flowing so well well Hemingway once said in giving advice to a young author that you should always stop at a point that you really like and you get and and it just it's exciting you to write that as, and I, I, I do find that helps. I actually learned a little bit about chapters at end as page turners from reading, rereading some old Nancy Drew books, because mm. when I started doing my fiction, my suspense. I went back and read some Nancy Drew books because I just remembered how much I love them. They don't hold up that much as an adult, but I did notice that every chapter ended with a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. So what I'll usually do as I start to plot out my chapter and knowing that I like my chapters to be, you know, 10, 12, 13 pages now, they were longer uh, years ago, but our attention spans are shorter. I'll start to think, okay, I know the elements that are going to go on here. How do I make it end in a way that readers are going to have to go, oh, it's two o'clock in the morning, but I can't go to bed now because she's just, that bitch is making me turn. <laughs> that was me. And those, and that's it. The chapters are so easily digestible. You're like, okay, I can get through another 10 to 12 pages. And then if I can get through another 10 to 12 pages, and then I'm done with the book. So I'm calling the fiance right here and now the beach read, the fiction read of the summer. So, oh, so good. So good. So what is up next for you? I just handed in a book for 2022 and my editor, as usual, she has some notes. Oh, they always have notes. notes. Kate, you've yeah, been on the other side of that coin. Yeah. She's a, she's a fabulous editor, very smart, but I, I hate the notes, but I'm working on those notes now. And it's always good that it usually takes her about three weeks or three, well longer to get back to me because she's very busy and then she's got to read it. But usually that gives me some nice distance. Mm -hmm. And then the, the one tricky thing about this time right now for me is that I have a year contract and every book has to be in in a year, but it takes me longer to work out the idea and then write it. So about three months before I finish one book, I have to start to be thinking and what ifing the next one. So that's tough. Yeah, it is. But thank God I got an idea for the 2023 book that I really love. And so what happens that kind of percolates or marinates or whatever uh, while I'm doing the fixes on the book that I just handed in. Mm. 
That's that's a lot of crossover though. I know. A lot of good brain and time management you've got going yeah. on. Yeah. And and plus it's at the same time you're promoting the current one. And in my case, it's the fiance. So there have been a couple of moments where people have said um, the husband, what's his name again? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you get him confused. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? I've never heard of that character. <laughs> right. Well, right. it's so, so good. Listeners, go pick up a copy of the fiance. You know it's good when I've got a fiction pick on here that I just can't resist because this is a nonfiction podcast. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh. I can't wait to read the 2022 book. Rachel, thank you. I feel like of every honor I've gotten in my career, being your your first fiction might be one of the top ones. And you the might be ones. the only one for a while because it takes a lot for me. Now, not that I dislike fiction, but I just don't gravitate towards it as much. And, you know, I know you, I love you, I respect you. And I was like, I'm going to try this. And when, <laughs> when I thought it was coming out um, in June and I was, I was just compelled completely. So bravo. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Kate, my newest friend. The Fiance is out now and such a page turner. Go grab a copy. And I thought I'd offer up two other fiction books I've read lately that I really enjoyed. Now, granted, 98% of what I read is nonfiction, but there is still a small list of fiction authors that I've loved for years that if they have a new book coming out, I'm grabbing a copy no matter what. Two of those authors, Nicholas Sparks and Mitch Album, both have books this fall, and I adored them both. Nicholas Sparks' latest is called The Wish, and it came out September 28th, and Mitch Album's most recent book, The Stranger and the Lifeboat, comes out November 2nd. Both are must-reads. My other favorite fiction authors, since we talk so little about fiction on this show, are Emily Giffen, Rebecca Wells, Katherine Stockett, Fanny Flagg from right here in my town of Birmingham, Alabama, Jennifer Weiner, Terry McMillan, and Candace Bushnell of Sex in the City fame, who has written both nonfiction and fiction herself. I would recommend anything by any of those women as well. As always, let me know what you're reading and loving at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com and follow, rate, and review our show. Thank you for listening as always. And we have two episodes left in season two, including next week's chat with young talent Via Blydner, whose book of essays, If You Lived Here, You'd Be Famous By Now, which examines life in Calabasas, California, where a family you might have heard of, the Kardashians, calls home. Stay tuned.